I vowed to myself that uh, when I became lead pastor of a church on Easter, uh, I would never do this, uh, and yet we've done it several times already, uh, but I feel like I have to do this uh, because it makes sense. And so when I say uh, Christ has risen, I would love for you to say he has risen indeed. And this is a tradition that the church has done for several, many hundreds of years together. Uh, and so Christ has risen one more time, Christ is risen. He is risen Thank you. This morning, uh, we are going to end our uh, series of the I Am's. So for the last seven to eight weeks, we've been talking about Jesus saying, I am something. I am the vine. I am uh, the good shepherd. I am the gate. Uh, and this morning, as appropriately, we will end with, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And so the title or the mantra of this morning, I want to say is this, death is required. Jesus had to go on that cross, but death is not the end of the story. Death was required, but it is not the end of the story is what we'll unpack this morning. I'm so glad we're all here together. The entire family, I love it. Uh, and it's such, it's so beautiful sight for me to see even up here. And I know that there are several people here, whether you've been to church for the very first time today uh, or it's been a long time, thank you for taking a chance, for taking a risk here at Bethany to, to hear a message I hope is about hope. And so whatever story you bring into here, whether it's your past, whether it's an experience, whether you don't even feel right being here, I want to say we welcome you. And we're so glad you're partaking in this special occasion with our community. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your death and your resurrection. And it has meaning for us. It changes everything. And we thank you. And we find life through that death. In your name we pray. Amen. Our passage comes from John chapter 11, verse 17. I'll read it. It'll be on the board, or you can use your own Bible if you brought one, or there's one in front of you, or you can use your mobile Bible. Uh, I know we all have it. Uh, and the word of the Lord says this. When Jesus arrived, he found, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. So at this time, Lazarus is sick, and he had just died from that illness, and Jesus is coming finally and in verse 22 it says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask him, Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, wait a minute, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into this world. A few years ago, I went on a trip 
of a lifetime, a trip that I'll never, ever forget. And it's the backpacking trip uh, to the Middle East, uh, mainly Israel and around the surrounding countries of Israel. Uh, and we hung out uh, for several weeks around Jerusalem. We went out uh, east into Jordan uh, to this place called Petra, where it's this whole village just carved out into st uh, from stone. Uh, and in Petra, uh, it's just an incredible site. We hiked around, and it was where, uh, for those of you that may know this, the Indi Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was filmed. You guys, raise your hand if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, then you may have seen glimpses of uh, Jordan, of Petra. And, and the part of the trip that I'll actually never forget, that's memorable, that'll be with me forever, is our trip down south into Egypt. Uh, and, and into the Sinai Peninsula, where we hiked up Mount Sinai. Now, this hike up Mount Sinai wasn't easy from the get. Uh, from Jerusalem, from where we were, uh, we had a long bus ride down there into the Sinai Peninsula. As a matter of fact, it was several bus trips. And once we crossed over into Egypt, then we had to get into taxis. And not only one, not two, but three different taxi rides all the way down to this monastery that we stayed at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Now, the idea of going here is that, and this is kind of a thing, everybody did this, where we would go there early, spend the night, uh, and we would wake up around 2 o'clock to do a four-hour hike up Sinai. Uh, and on top of Sinai, we would see the sunrise, and it would be majestic. And when we did that, as you would imagine, we got there, and it was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and we go to sleep pretty early, and as you can imagine, in my excitement, I couldn't fall asleep, yet knowing I had to wake up at 2 a.m. And so after a rough night of sleep, we woke up at 2 to go out of the monastery and to hike up Sinai with about 100, 200 people. I mean, it was a big, massive amount of tourists and people that are going along with us. And it really, it reminded me of what the actual exile may have looked like. We were journeying together, and it wasn't an easy hike. And I remember just being exhausted going up. And I remember thinking that this was actually pretty miserable. And I remember being really hungry. Have you guys ever been so hungry that you just get into a bad mood? Right? We call that being hangry. And I was absolutely that. And I remember that just myself just complaining and complaining. And I remember about halfway through, I tripped, and I still have the scar to prove it, that I tripped, fell on my knee, and bloodied up my entire bottom side of the pants. And I remember thinking, what am I doing? I can see pictures. It would be great. I read about it in the Bible. It's awesome. I believe you. And as I kept going and as I was complaining with my friends about how hungry I was, how painful I was being and just being around so many people, we finally, I thought, got to the top. No, it wasn't the top. Uh, it was a staircase that was built by monks called the Staircase of Penance. And it was 750 steps before we got to the top. And at this point, it was still dark, wasn't really know what was happening, hundreds of people going up this staircase of 750 steps. I was exhausted, and I was not in a good mood. And finally, when we got up to the top, 
the skies opened up. I saw the view on top of Mount Sinai. The sun was starting to creep. And something in my heart, something in my attitude started to shift right then and there. And as we were settling in, all 150, 200 of us were sitting down, finding our spot on top of Mount Sinai, I opened up my Bible and started reading some of the texts from the Old Testament where Moses got up on top of Sinai and started talking with God. It was a surreal moment. And then I hear a big group of people uh, singing this song. I won't sing it to save your ears, but the song that goes something like this, and maybe you've heard it before. This is the day... This is, you can sing along. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will what? I will rejoice in it and I will be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day I will be. Now, here's the deal. It wasn't in English, but we knew the tune. Uh, I believe it was in German. They were speaking German. They were singing that song. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. In their own language, but I knew the tune. And then another group of tourists decided to join in in a different language. And they started singing, this is the day, this is the day. And all of a sudden, it was kind of like, it was contagious. Different groups from all over the world started hopping in, singing the same song. And finally, my friends and I and other American tourists, we started singing in English, this is the day, this is the day. And although it was several different languages, we were singing together, the sun was starting to rise, and finally my attitude changed, and I was just in awe of this beautiful moment that God had created for myself and for all of us that was there. Now, here's what I understood about that journey to the top. It was the struggles, it was the challenges, it was the obstacles that actually made the top of that summit more beautiful. It was actually the physical pain that I endured, it was the emotional pain, it was the spiritual pain that actually made the top of the summit so powerful. It was the actual journey, I want you to listen to this, it was the actual journey to the summit that gave the summit purpose and beauty and power. Now, it would have been a completely different experience if we just got helicoptered in, right? If we just got helicoptered in. Now, there was an, even an option at the very bottom to ride a camel up. And I was like, I'm on board, get me a camel. And my friend said, no, we are doing the hike, we are high, and I'm so glad that they did because this was more true than ever. It was because of the struggle, because of the challenges, because of the, the emotional distress that the top became so much more beautiful. And that is the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, we are here on Resurrection Sunday, but don't forget, we still had Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified, and you cannot have one without the other. Resurrection can only happen on the other side of death. And in the Christian story, even in death, we anticipate a resurrection. Two become one, and we have this tension that we deal with, this struggle, this stress, this trauma, whatever it is, this death in our lives that we believe will be resurrected as Jesus resurrected on that cross 2,000 plus years ago. 
Christ offers this eternal resurrection, yes, but there's also a promise of salvation, not just in our physical lives, but in our lives starting right now, starting today. And I don't know about you, but, we, but myself, I experience death, maybe not a physical death, maybe not a forever death, but a death every single day of my life. We experience death in a place of hopelessness. If you've ever experienced a sense of hopelessness, you've experienced a sense of death. If you've ever ever experienced a sense of pain, suffering, hurt, anger, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, you've experienced a sense of death. And what Resurrection Sunday is all about is Jesus being victorious and saying that death, that whatever you're going through does not have the last word. And as Jesus talks to Mary and Martha, the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that the death and the resurrection of Christ changes your life? and will ultimately have the last word. Not death, not hurt, not anger, not anxiety, not depression, but the resurrection and the joy and the peace that we find through that. See, Mary and Martha are panicking, and panicking for good reason, because their brother, Lazarus, is sick, sick to the brink of death. I mean, if you've ever lost somebody close to you, if there's ever been somebody that was sick in your life, and maybe that was you, you know the anguish and the pain and the little bit of death that we feel even in our own midst. Yet they know that when Jesus comes, Jesus has the power to heal Lazarus from his sickness, his physical sickness, and to avoid physical death. And I love verse, or chapter, three, or chapter 13, verse 3. It says, uh, when Jesus comes up, he says, Jesus, Jesus, it says, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. Jesus, our brother, your friend, the one that you walk alongside, the one that you know, the one that you care for, is sick. Get here quick. And, and not to mention, the same sister is Mary, the same Mary that's, that poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wipes it with her, with her hair to worship, to give thanks to Jesus. It's the same Mary that says, Jesus, you need to get here quick because the one you love, your friend, is sick and is about to die. And here's where it gets interesting in verse 5. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. So, when get this, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He stayed two more days. I'm like, when I read this, I'm like, what is happening? Shouldn't the Bible have said? Then Jesus stopped what he was doing and ran to help his friend immediately. But instead, it said that the one that, Jesus, the one that he loves is sick, and yet Jesus says, you know what? I'm just going to hang out. I'm just going to chill for a couple days. You know, no, no anxiety, no stress. I'm just going to hang out for two more days. And then in verse 17, it says that when Jesus finally arrived, he found that Lazarus, being sick, was finally dead. And he was dead for multiple days. It says that he was dead for four days. 
And by the time that Jesus got there and all the traveling, four days that Lazarus was in the tomb. And see, here's the deal. It's important for us to know why four days is so significant. See, in this first century context, in this Jewish context, after three days, after three days, it was believed that the spirit left the soul, that the spirit of the body was actually gone, left the soul, and that person was actually dead. There was no chance, there was no hope, there was no opportunity for new life. After three days, when the spirit left the body, the person was actually dead forever. And yet, knowing that, the Bible very intentionally says that Jesus arrived four days, one day after the finality of Lazarus' death. And they enter into the sense of hopelessness. There's this theological conversation that happens with Jesus, uh, with Mary and Martha. When finally, four days later, he shows up, Mary and Martha say, says, man, Jesus, if only you were here, this wouldn't have happened. My brother, your friend, is dead. And Jesus trying to have this conversation saying, no, he'll rise again. Don't worry. I will do my job. He will rise again. And, and, and Mary and Martha are like, look, I get it. I know. We hear this all the time when someone dies. The person will rise on the final day. The person will be in heaven, will be alive again. And talking about this future, this eschatological future. And, and yet Jesus saying, no, you don't get it. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about right now. Jesus, I'm talking right now. I'm going to make Lazarus rise again. And they were in disbelief. No, what are you talking about? He's dead. We're in a sense of absolute hopelessness. And in verse 25, Jesus says, look, I am the life and resurrection. He's saying two different things here. He's saying, I am the life and resurrection. And then he says, anybody who believes in this, even when they die, will live. And everyone who believes in this will never die. Doesn't this sound kind of redundant? If you believe in this, then even when you die, you'll live. That's statement number one. Even when you die, you'll live. And everyone who believes will never die. It's almost two redundant statements. But Jesus is being very intentional here, saying two different things. He's saying, talking about this future, saying, yes, I am the resurrection. That through my death, that after your physical death, you will rise again. But I'm also saying another thing. I'm also saying that even now, you'll experience salvation today. You'll experience new life today through me. Not just any other life, not just breathing kind of life, but a life that is abundant, a life that can only come through me. That I offer you right now. I am the life and resurrection. And this is important for us today to understand because so often as Christians, when we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, we narrow it down to what happens after we die. Yes, we have an opportunity to spend eternity forever in heaven with God, but also it changes us today that even when we experience our not physical death, but deaths, little deaths in our lives, 
hopelessness, darkness, pain, whatever it is, Jesus meets us there even in that time. And maybe for you it's right now. Maybe you're dealing with loss or illness or relational issues, marriage issues, children issues, addiction, self-image issues, loneliness. I don't know what it is. But Jesus says that that, whatever that is, does not have the last word in your life. Victory over all this is found through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who conquered death, who conquers your anxiety, your fears, your pain, your suffering, who conquers all that with him on the cross and becomes victorious. I love both Mary and Martha in separate places both say, Jesus, if you were only here, if only you were here, if only this, if only that, then things would have turned out differently. The funny thing is we get stuck in that same mindset ourselves. When we experience those little deaths in our lives, the pain, the suffering, we ask ourselves, if only I would have done something different. If only this wouldn't have happened. If only I didn't take that turn. If only this death didn't happen. If only becomes something that paralyzes us from moving forward and experiencing the, God, the life that God has for us. If only. And what the cross does is that the cross changes the sentence or the words, if only, to the word, because. What if instead we were not paralyzed by this whole idea of if only things were different, then life would be better. Instead, Jesus says, get rid of if only and put in the word because. Because this happened, you can grow now. Because of what happened, you can move forward. Because of what happened, you can teach others. Because of what happened, you can learn from it and become the person that I've called you and created you to be. Maybe hopelessness is a place where we find Christ. And maybe sometimes hopelessness, death, anxiety, pain, suffering huh, is necessary. And I'm not saying God causes it, but maybe sometimes it's necessary because it allows us to grow. And it allows us to experience true life. It causes us to experience new life. And that's the identification of Jesus' death. We die to that. And life that comes out of, cross, of the cross through Jesus. And so may Easter not be reduced to what happens after we die. And we're going to respond to this. I'm going to ask the band the music team to come back up as we respond. Uh, and I want us to think about just what is your if only? What is your if only in life? Only if things were different. If only I wasn't having this suffering. If only I wasn't going through this pain. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you that this morning, that the resurrection says that that does not have the last word. That the resurrection defeats and conquers all of that so that we may have new life. 
And so may Easter for all of us not be reduced to just a place that we go after we die. Though that is true, it is about us experiencing hope and peace and joy right now, even today. And may Easter in the cross not be reduced to this self-deprecation, although that is true. Oftentimes we think of the cross as, man, because we're so bad, because we're so evil, Jesus did something. And yes, there's an element of truth to that, but there's also the truth that we're so loved and we're so cherished and we're so adored. And that is why Jesus took upon that cross so we may also have new life. Let me pray, and we'll continue in our worship. God, we thank you so much for your death, but not only your death, it doesn't have the last word, but we thank you for the victory of death on that cross that we celebrate today, right now. And it has meaning for us, not just on the final day, but every day. And so God, thank you that because of the cross, you've changed our if-onlys. If only things would have turned differently. You've changed that to the word because. Because it happened, we may experience life. Because you've died, we can live. We thank you. In your name we pray.